Wax 904 presents This Week in North Florida Lacrosse. Brought to you by First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, Derek Prince Realtor, and M Shack on 1010XL. Now here's your host, Ray Carnicelli. I am Ray Carnicelli, flying solo today. At some point, I'll give you the top 10 reasons, top 10 excuses that people uh, weren't able to join me in studio today. Some of them are pretty weak. Some of them are okay and acceptable. Jacksonville versus High Point yesterday up in Charlotte, New York, or Charlotte, North Carolina at the Crown Classic. I got in sometime, I guess it would be this morning when my flight landed, Uh, but here for you today, 17-15 was the final. It was a crazy game. We're going to take a deep dive, a lot to unpack. We're going to have Coach Galloway on. The team will be in transit this morning coming back, but he was kind enough to agree to join us. Uh, Like I said, the final score was 17-15, to some really big performances, a few oddities. It was not what I expected. For those of you who get my newsletter, follow me on Twitter, I had made some uh, predictions on the score, certainly, but I also made some commentary on how I thought it would go, how the game would play out, and it did not play out like I thought. But the end result was a big win for Jacksonville against a rival in High Point. Although they're not in the same conference anymore, High Point went off to the, I believe it's the Atlantic 10, and Jacksonville's now in the A-Sun. Uh, but you could, you could there was no love lost. Two energetic teams. It was a wild crowd for that uh, evening game yesterday. Uh, big performances for uh, you know a few guys. Uh, Ibram Pio had three goals. He's coming off an injury. We saw him in the preseason score, uh, two beautiful goals in a in short time, and it looked like he was ready to break out, and then he suffered an injury. So he's back. Uh, really beautiful goals. If you follow me on Twitter, I tweeted out that third goal. You can go check it out at Lax904. He basically ran through... Three, four guys, dodge, dodge, re-dodge, plowed through three guys, and uh, you're able to see right before he scores the goal, he splits three guys, and he's doing a leaner in front of the goalie, finds the back of the net before he steps in the, or falls into the crease. So that was a beauty. Uh, Jacob Greiner with three goals, uh, and uh, Brandon Galloway with three goals as well. And then Max Waldbaum made his return. Uh, Max, uh, that was his first time on the field this season, the Tuarton Award preseason finalist, or excuse me, preseason all-Tuarton list. Max Waldbaum had two goals and three assists in his debut, so it was good to see Max back out there. He is a game-changer. He draws a lot of attention, uh, and certainly uh, he's going to be a big part of JU's run as they finish out their non-conference schedule and get into the A-Sun schedule. Also, there were goals by local product, Reed Smith. Tucker Garrity had a cannon blast of a goal from the defensive midi position. Marshall McGuire had a big day. He saw a lot of playing time. Uh, Freshman Gavin Angel had two goals. And Ethan Lamont, who's also been out, had the first goal, and it was a beauty, a ripper into the back of the net. So that's the 17 goals for Jacksonville. Uh, High Point 
they they I don't even know how to describe. I'm gonna have to add. I've got a lot of questions for Coach Galloway because they just were they never slowed down. They played with their hair on fire, but I think Jacksonville their their depth. They just kept running new guys out there, and that was one of the things that really surprised me. I didn't know who was coming back from injury, and as I mentioned, uh, a few of the players that were back, and then you saw uh, Tom Heed and Brendan McKenna get playing time earlier or early in the game. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know Reed Smith, the Pontevedra product, Florida State transfer, had his goal, and I think that depth. And the question I have for Coach Galloway is: is are you just being flexible, or is it the fact that you have three games in less than a week? So they played High Point yesterday. They're going to play UMass Lowell on Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock. I'll be calling that game on ESPN+. And then they travel up to New York to play St. John's to round out their non-conference schedule. So it'll be three games in, in less than seven days when you consider that was a night game last night and then a, uh, an early game next Saturday. Uh, Flagler College was in action yesterday. They were defeated by number 8-ranked Rollins down in Winter Park. So we'll talk about Flagler College, uh, where they are in their second season. Tough, tough schedule that they're playing. And I know that Coach Duncan uh, wants these guys to understand where the bar is. And right now, when you play teams like number one defending national champion Tampa, you play a tough Rollins team, you're going to see St. Leo. Uh, We saw Embry-Riddle. We also saw them you know, have some close games and, and you know, win a, win against a team that they lost to last year in uh, Palm Beach Atlantic. Mount Olive on a weekday game this week. That is Tuesday night down in St. Augustine. So we'll talk a little bit more about Flagler College. Wild day in Division One around the country. We'll talk about some of the scores. Uh, we want your calls and texts. As I mentioned, I need you to be my co-host today. So if you have a question, call me up on the Farrah and Farrah phone line at 904-641-1010. Or you can text at the same number, 904-641-1010. I've got it on my screen here. If you just send me a text, I'll do my best to answer your question. Or if you just want to provide some commentary, please do. Locals around Division 1, 2, and 3 from our area were in action yesterday. I mentioned Reed Smith from Ponte Vedra had a a goal, and it was a beauty. It was a it's not a garbage goal; it's a recycled goal. It was a scramble in front of the goal, and as we've seen Reed do throughout his high school and college career, opportunistic in front of the goal, sticks it right back in the back of the net. Uh, Sean Caracciolo for Rollins had his first college goal in that seventeen to six win over Flagler. So congratulations to the Ponte Vedra product, Sean. Eric Dobson, one goal and one assist for the former LAX 904 Player of the Year, and what a game that was. Notre Dame in triple overtime with a 13-12 win against Maryland, and that was the one that was on everybody's radar yesterday, and it was so nice to see one of our local guys, I think they're number two in the country in most polls, is is Notre Dame, and to see what the, the season and the attention that Eric's uh, garnering. It's been a, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Jack Dowd from Pontevedra had an assist in an overtime win for Salisbury over a rival Lynchburg in a top division three matchup, 16 to 15 overtime. So uh, Jack contributed with that assist up at the crown classic yesterday, Dylan Ruprick 
uh, had out of Creekside had uh, some action at the faceoff spot, so it was good to see Dylan out there getting some run. Wingate defeated Limestone 19-14, and it was wild. I, I don't know if they're rivals or not, but the fans and the parents and everyone in that stadium yesterday, it's a rivalry now, I'll tell you that. Uh, Brendan Nace got a chance to catch up with him, bumped into him at the, the Jacksonville game along with Will Corbett couple of Pontevedra kids. Brennan had a goal and an assist in Queens game versus Wagner. Queens fell 13 to 9. And then Ashton Wood, 16 of 25. So a big day for Ashton Wood at the faceoff spot. And that's an A-Sun matchup that Air Force defeated Mercer by a score of 14 to 8. This week, we're going to be broadcasting on Tuesday night from Pontevedra. It'll be Creekside at Pontevedra at 7 p.m., so I'm looking forward to calling that game. Uh, Pontevedra had some nice wins, so we're going to take a deeper dive into the, the high school action this week with some of the you know, featured games. So last week, we'll mention a couple of them now and then come back to them. Pontevedra 19, Cardinal, Cardinal Mooney 6, Fletcher 20, Mandarin 2, Oak Hall 11, Creekside 3, and we'll come back to a few more of those uh, throughout the broadcast. I want to thank our sponsors, as always, the M Shack, First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, Derek Prince Realtor, and we'll be talking more about the Hoodoo Gurus who are coming in concert in April, and we'll play some music on our way out. Once again, give us your calls and your texts at 904-641-1010. We're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to This Week in Lax 904 on 1010 XL. Keep your head on a swivel. It's this week in North Florida Lacrosse with Ray Carnicelli on 1010XL. Welcome back to This Week in Lax904. I am Ray Carnicelli. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Lax904. I want to thank our sponsors, M Shack, First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, Derek Prince Realtor, and the upcoming concert by the Hoodoo Gurus. Later on in the show, we're going to speak to the Bartram Trail head coach, Max Van Arsdale. He'll be joining. Uh, Bartram had a big win over Oak Hall. Anxious to hear about the squad as the high school season's gearing up. We're going to be back on the air Tuesday for Creekside at Pontevedra at 7 p.m. But we want to welcome on our first guest this morning, the head coach of the JU Dolphins, Coach John Galloway. Good morning, Coach. Good morning, Ray. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for joining. It was a wild scene up there in Charlotte yesterday. Uh, High Point came out with their hair on fire, but you guys certainly matched their intensity and and, and battled. Before we get into and unpack the game, uh, you know, the field was slippery, and it was mentioned to me during the the Wingate game versus Limestone that was a lot of people were talking about it. Did you guys know that before the game? Uh, we didn't. We certainly watched some of the Wingate game and, and saw okay, a good amount of guys seem to have trouble with footing and, um, you know, it's not much you can do at that point. I thought we tried to be as disciplined as we could with just our approaches and our and our dodging. But um, the good news is it was, you know, equal on both sides. And I thought both teams found a way to, to, to manage as the game went on. You played a, a, a very deep bench. It seemed to me we got a lot of guys back uh, seeing – uh, Tom Heed out there and Brendan McKenna and then all of the guys who've uh, been in and out of the lineup. 
is it would you consider experimenting as a, a factor of having three games in seven days or are you still trying to uh, mix and match the pieces yeah a lot of assessment through injury you know we had a lot of guys that weren't able to practice for the last three or four weeks and a lot of guys stepped up in, in their you know in their absence and you know i think it's a great opportunity for for us to create some depth on both sides of the ball and give some guys chances that have worked really hard to, to deserve it so we're, we're excited about that and watching our, our bench grow longer what were there any surprises in the a game uh, the style of game and the way that the tempo went uh or is that what you expected no it was kind of exactly what i expected out of a high point game you know i felt like we knew there was going to be runs. We, we, we made ours pretty good, a big one in the third quarter, and we were able to weather theirs long enough. But physical, athletic on, on offense for that team and uh, a little chippy in between the lines and uh, you know, a little bit disappointed in how we handled the, their ride. But you know, those, are, those are lessons that we can take going into this week. Talk to me about the athleticism of, especially your midfield, seeing uh, Ibram uh, Pio back in there and, and Galloway. And even like Angel, it just seems like it's wave after wave. There's so many options uh, in transition and at the midfield. Yeah, I think we're excited about that, that group. And again, what they bring that's a little bit different than maybe what we've had in the past. And Ebo's a guy that uh, he was fantastic for us in the fall. And unfortunately, he got injured in the preseason. And uh, he's been itching for that opportunity. And he obviously took advantage of it yesterday. And Kevin Angel's another, you know, another one that has gotten some real good experience in the first three or four weeks and you know we know what he's capable of and it's just a matter of confidence and I thought you saw his confidence grow last night. In in the first half it seemed like the the goalies, uh both goalies lifted the team. Uh, a lot of saves, a lot of emotion. Uh you know when Jason can come in there and do what he did and, and Luke playing steady. Uh how much is that just the, the mental aspect of having you know that emotion lift from from your keepers? Yeah I think it's just confidence in our defense that we know that you know even if we do make some mistakes or if we give up the shots that we're comfortable with that those guys are going to make the saves and then you put Jason in our man down and with that our man down unit playing right now on top of Jason's presence uh, emotional burst is it's just so important to our life and when you have two guys coming in people are crazy that we do it it really does lift our team so um you know we we, we have two goalies that deserve to be playing and we take advantage of that especially in those types of scenarios you mentioned the ride and some of the, the the challenges and the pressure that High Point was able to bring. Were there other areas that you feel like that the the team needs to improve or could have done better yesterday? Yeah, there's plenty. I mean, there's a lot to fix when you watch the film and, and obviously the run in the third quarter and going into the fourth and, and just being able to close out games. And you know, we we talked to the guys last night just about finishing, whether that's finishing possessions. I believe High Point had four goals in the last ten seconds uh, of a shot clock possession, or finishing quarters. You know how we handle ourselves in short time. So then, you know, obviously finishing games. You know, we're up 14 to seven. Um, you know, we have to learn how to kind of put our foot on the throat in those moments. But those are lessons learned, and it's still early in March. And you know, hopefully that's going to be able to help us down the road. Yeah, the, the LSMs. I'm still learning about these guys, but uh, Luke Talago just looks like he plays at a different level. Or excuse me, um, I'm sorry, uh, Taguri. Uh, looks like he plays at a different level. He's a freshman. Yeah, yeah, he's fresh. He's playing above his age for sure, and uh, so skilled and thick, so skilled on the ground. Uh, probably the most important thing is he's tough. He's tough off the uh, off the ball. He's tough on the ball, and his future is going to be really bright. And he's, I mean, he stepped into a role early on in his career, and it's obviously flourished already. 
you know, as I mentioned, there seems to be a, a lot of players who've missed some time early in the season that are back. Is this as healthy as you've been all probably uh, since the fall? It has. It has. And it was amazing to see, you know, every day on the practice plan. We have an IR report and how long it was two weeks ago to how short it was this past week. And, you know, now it's us as coaches making sure we manage that and, you know, are thoughtful about how we practice and how we take care of our guys. And, you know, the reality is it's a contact sport, but at the same time, we have to, you know, do our due diligence to make sure we stay healthy and stay deep because, you know, we're going to need it as we get into conference play. UMass Lowell on Wednesday, what can we expect out of a, a team that has uh, shown the, the ability to put up some goals? Yeah, incredibly organized. You know, Coach Gallagher is, I think, one of the best on the offensive side of the ball in terms of you know, making sure they have a plan and, and executing that plan. And I mean, He was the conference coach of the year in the MAC last year and comes to Lowell with, with some talented players that are young and a little bit bigger on defense. and um, you know they, they run and execute the game plan on offense. So going to be a unique challenge for us a midweek game short turnaround after an emotional uh, emotional road game so uh, we're going to get their best punch too this is going to be a, a hungry and desperate team and that makes for a dangerous team so you know we're, we're motivated to get back to work today and make sure our guys are familiar with this team coming up do you feel the number of players uh and the mixing and matching of the lines is something that's going to continue throughout the season or will uh you have to make some decisions and try to you know stick to set lines yeah, yeah, you know, we're kind of, we're hopefully you know using this week and and now the Lowell game to see who meshes well, and it's not only who you play but who you play with. You know, we have to figure out what combinations at the midfield. Our rope unit, you know, we, we suffered an all did not get a lot of run, but he certainly deserves some more some more runs. We got to get him back out there, and then you know, obviously we have guys still waiting. We have some some poles that are, are eager to get back and, and get in the mix. So you know, we got to continue to create depth, and um, that's okay. Playing a lot of guys is okay the way that we play and. Uh, I think we could play faster if we do that. So we have to continue to, to grow those guys and develop. And so this week's a good opportunity to do that. Coach, how much? Uh, I, I know you, you're so busy, but do you do you look around to see what the other A Sun teams are doing? Are you to that point in the season yet, or will it, maybe not um, game weekend, but shortly thereafter? Yeah, you know we will get there, and they're part of our you know our due diligence is to make sure we're kind of aware of, of what the big ticket item is, which is to win the conference, but. You know, right now it is so much about who we are. I mean, you see how many guys are playing, who, you know, how our style of play is developing. You know, it has to be about us. But you're right. As we turn the page, you have to be familiar with the guys that, you know, are in your way of making the NCAA tournament. So um, now it's a big conference too, so you, you can get a little bit, you know, caught astray if you do that too much. And your focus has to be on your team and then the next opponent. But if you're not doing that, uh, once you get into conference play, sometimes the, the turnaround is too short. So uh, we have a staff that's you know, prepared and watching film all all week long, and as we get ready to put you know an opponent to bed, that way you can start to look forward as well and, and make sure that we're you know we're thinking about things that we need to implement as we get into late March. So are you, are you uh, in South Carolina now? I'm presuming. <laughs> yes, we are, which is a a lot of trees and some bad service. So I apologize. Yeah, if it's yeah no worries. Uh, you know the bus driver Nelson. I've known him for a long, long time. Tell him I said hello. Uh, travel safely. And I'm looking forward to getting out to Jacksonville University at the Rock Beach on Wednesday and calling the uh, 4 o'clock game versus UMass Lowell. Uh, we can't wait to have you, Ray, and I appreciate you making the trip up to, to Charlotte, and we always like to see a familiar place. So thank you for doing that, and we'll see you this week. All right, that was Coach John Galloway. Uh, the, the team's on a little bit of a roll right now. It's 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 been pretty impressive. They're 3-1 and one 
Um, and as the season goes on, it's that becomes more impressive. You know, Johns Hopkins, uh, the only team they lost to, it was seven to twelve. They had a really nice win uh, yesterday, and obviously Duke is rolling. Uh, Hopkins beat St. Joe's fifteen to fourteen, and St. Joe's is a top fifteen team, and so the only team you lost to is uh, is is rolling. You beat Duke. Um, they they are tough. They're a top five team right now. Jacksonville. Last week was uh, number 14, and the polls are kind of tricky. Which ones do you want to follow? There's the media poll. There's the coach's poll. Quint's got his poll. Terry Foy's got his poll. Uh, I like to look at Quint's, and I like to look at the uh, – well, actually, I like to look at all of them, and they, they track pretty cl- closely. Uh, and I mentioned Duke. 4 o'clock today, Duke versus Syracuse. That's going to be a fun game. Uh, you know, Everyone's waiting to see how far back is Syracuse, and is it – uh, March now, so you know, does Duke have some of their troubles behind them? That game's at four o'clock today, uh, and I mentioned the A Sun games. Uh, you know, Coach is he following the A Sun? Uh, Hobart defeated Robert Morris, and when you think about the hierarchy of the A Sun, people talk about Jacksonville, Robert Morris, Utah, and Air Force, and then no offense to the rest of them, but the rest of them, and I, I believe that. The preseason coaches pick was actually Robert Morris, even though Jacksonville had more first-place votes. Uh, but Robert Morris uh, lost to Hobart. That was a surprise to me. I've watched Hobart play a little bit this season, and I thought Robert Morris would uh, you know, probably get to 16 or 17 goals. And then Air Force and Mercer, uh, that's about right, 14 to 8. Uh, that's no surprises there. Mercer has some trouble scoring goals, and Air Force has got some some firepower. Uh, Bellarmine versus VMI, seventeen to six. Bellarmine over VMI. Uh, that's a lot of goals for Bellarmine. I thought VMI might be able to keep that tighter. Uh, Cleveland State defeated Canisius, eighteen to twelve. So that's a good win for the A Sun over an out of conference opponent that's uh, up and coming. And then Rutgers eighteen, Utah fourteen. So. Jacksonville held their own yesterday against a strong out-of-conference opponent. Uh, you know, Utah fell, and Robert Morris fell. So we'll see how things shake out. You know, I mentioned a coach this Wednesday, UMass Lowell, and their coach last year was at Manhattan, and he recruited well. He's a well-respected coach, first year at UMass Lowell. The team is 0-4 right now. But when you follow them, you can see that they're getting better. They lost 12-8. to to Long Island University on Friday. They've lost 16-12 to to a pretty good Siena team, 11-3 to UMass, and 21-12 to to Quinnipiac. Looking ahead to Wednesday and back to yesterday versus High Point, I thought that, for, for one, that was a lot of players for Jacksonville to play early and often. I had made the bold statement before the game that I thought Jackson Intrieri was going to have a huge day. Just because the way that High Point likes to play and the way that Jackson Intrieri handles the ball and sees the field. and But he he was used a lot differently than, than I've ever seen before. He was in front of the goal rather than behind the goal. He wasn't on the field as much as I thought he would be. You know, getting Max Waldbaum back, everyone's been – speculating on how they would handle having Intrieri, Griner, Waldbaum, and Dylan Watson, four top-level attackmen on the field at the same time. 
So I think they're still working that out. You know, Watson didn't participate fully in the fall, and then here we get to the spring and Waldbaum goes down. So I think it's still a work in progress. The number of middies that Jacksonville played yesterday early, it wasn't like second half empty the bench. They were rotating through, and I mentioned Brendan McKenna and Tom Heed. Uh, they were in early in the game. And then when you when you think about the guys that scored goals, Gavin Angel, the freshman, midi. Ethan Lamond, midi, with a goal. Galloway with three. Marshall McGuire played a lot out there, and he was an uh, imposing figure. Big, strong kid. The Syracuse transfer had a goal. Uh, so it's really good balance between the attack and the midfield yesterday, and I think that's that, that's going to be a strength of Jacksonville as they get down towards uh, the end of out-of-conference. So they're 3-1 and one right now. They're, they would be probably 5-10 to ten goal favorites against UMass Lowell and against St. John's. So we want to see this team get to 5-1 and one as they travel up to Pittsburgh the following week to start conference play versus Robert Morris. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have the head coach of the Bartram Trail Bears, Max Van Arsdale, on. You're listening to This Week in Lax 904 on 1010XL. Now back to This Week in North Florida Lacrosse on 1010XL. Welcome back to This Week in Lax 904. Ray Carnicelli flying solo today. Rob, how are we doing so far? I say this is an A-plus show, Raymond. A-plus show. So do we uh, we invite Applegate and Milo back or just uh, keep flying solo the rest of the year? I, th- I think we should come to that conclusion at the end of the show. Maybe we should have the Let's listeners do a listener poll. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll post that on Twitter real quick. I want to thank the M Shack, Cantina Louie, Derek Prince Realtor. Talk more about the Hoodoo Gurus concert in April as we get a little bit closer. And First Coast Crush Lacrosse, we want to welcome on to the air our next guest, the head coach of the Bartram Trail Bears, Max Van Arsdale. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ray. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks so much for joining. It's a, it's a crazy lacrosse world, especially here in 904 with JU and Flagler College and all the good work you guys are doing at the high school and youth level. And then you try to pay attention to the, the kids who've uh, gone off to play elsewhere. It's 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 amazing. It's fun, and trying to keep up with the high school stuff is a, is a little difficult. And I can't figure out who's doing what in terms of how good is Bartram Trail, how good is Creekside. Until the teams play, we don't know. But Oak Hall, that that one jumped out at me. Your twelve to seven win against Oak Hall uh, probably didn't surprise you though, did it? Yeah, I think going into that one, we were feeling pretty good. Um, We've had, as a group, we've got a lot of seniors this year and have been putting a lot of focus on just teaching guys how to practice, how to prepare, um, the type of intensity they need to bring to preparation in the off season. That's been huge for us. I always like to say, you know, the various levels I've been at, I see anytime you make any kind of jump, it, it's difficult to understand that. So, you know, going from the rec league to JV lacrosse, you need to bring a whole nother level of intensity you didn't even know you had. Um, And it's about finding that and discovering that. Going JV to varsity, going high school to college, you know, just all the way across the board. And we're still working through that, but things are starting to come together. And I think um, 
you know, as a team, we're buying into the process and we're only going to continue to get better. But that was the key with Oak Hall. We don't have D1 guys on the roster. We don't have anyone who's going to be a hero and take over a game. When we play as one team, one unit, we can be pretty good. And now it's a matter of doing that for a full four quarters for us, really. It's an interesting schedule. You opened up the season with a win, a uh, nice win versus Fleming Island. And when you play these out-of-state teams, uh, they're pretty good teams. Like Stars Mill, you lost 7-4. to They're pretty good. Altoona, also out of Georgia, they're pretty darn good. Talk to me about playing those uh, those teams that you don't know too much about. Yeah, I always like to um, play some different teams and get different looks. I think whether you get a win or a loss out of it, it serves you well as you're trying to grow as a team. It's not necessarily about how well you're playing now. It's about what are you doing when April rolls around. So that's really our goal there. I want to expose our guys to, you know, different looks, different scenarios they may encounter. As you said, Stars Mills is a very high-quality team. Altoona was, you know, I, I haven't seen – a team in a while fling the ball on offense like those guys did. Um, great sticks. They could zip that thing around, hit the backside. They could shoot the stink out of it. So it's just good for our guys to experience that, face that. And, again, as you get towards the end of the season, nothing will surprise you. When I think of the, the name Van Arsdale, I mean, obviously your dad was a great goalie. Got to watch him playing way back when I was uh, first learning the game. But I think more offense. So you're an offensive guy, but these scores, your defense is playing pretty good. Yeah, so that's part of our – we have the ability to score some goals. There's no doubt about it. But, again, we need to um, – offensively, we need to score through quality possessions and getting high-percentage shots. We're not going to really have that – that one guy who's just going to blow through people and, and stick it in the corner from 16 yards. So that's part of it. You know, part of our, our defensive effort comes from quality ball control and good offensive possessions. Um, and then defensively, it's, it's another example of, you know, we don't necessarily have the studs. We got some, some really, really smart and athletic guys at that end. A lot of them are newer to the game, though. Um, so we run a, a bit of a different and unique look on defense. It's, you know, we do run kind of a zone, but it honestly has more man-to-man principles than a lot of people's man-to-man defenses do. So it, it's really a hybrid that allows us to, to come out and, and play some defense, but also have some structure on the backside. I'm looking forward to watching you guys play, and I'm, I have uh... – firm plans to a couple times you guys are pretty busy coming up but when you're in a when you're playing that type of defense you, you must have some trust in your goalie I would love to play that defense where you know you're going to see some shots but they're not likely to be as the uh, as dangerous tell me about your, your goalie situation yeah you know we have I guess what you would call a good problem to have where we have two seniors that are both um really high quality ball stoppers um and and what I really like to see is over the last year and a half or so they've really am, instead of kind of competing against each other they're competing sort of for each other um they have a good relationship and they've driven each other to get better and we're comfortable with either one of those guys in the cage and and seeing shots we we feel like they're gonna gobble up this stuff especially since we're trying to force you know outside shots that are lower percentage shots um we're we're gonna force in, in theory, we want to force the offense 
that have to earn anything that they're going to get on us. What are their names, Max? So John Wright and Jace Lightfoot are our two guys. Jace, uh, John last year probably, uh, you know, he, he played the bulk of the minutes last season. Jace put in a tremendous offseason, and so far this year has probably seen more minutes than John. I think the way they've both been playing, though, they're going to see a, a good amount of time as the season goes on, each of them. Who are some of the guys scoring goals for the Bartram Bears? Yeah, I think our two guys who we rely on to really put it in the net are Garen Berkman and John Motts. They're two senior middies. And the way we're trying to get them looks, though, is not necessarily, like I said, you know, create opportunities for them to just, you know isolate them and go to the cage. We're really trying to do things off of a pass, get the defense moving, put them into a favorable situation, and then have them attack you know, and utilize their skill where it's now difficult to help to them. So those are the two big ones. Garen's got a younger brother who's a junior for us, Callan Berkman. He's been putting the ball in the net as well. Um, And then it's just been a team effort. Otherwise, the other guys are finishing on opportunities when we do score. Um, So it's like I said, we really need to play as a team if we're going to be successful. Bartram has a tradition of having some pretty good face-off guys, and playing your style of lacrosse, it's always important, but especially important. How are you at the face-off spot? I think there we've been pretty happy with what we're doing. It's very rare that our guy Chris Tyson, who's a senior, very rare that he just gets flat-out beat and their face-off guys, you know, running off with the ball. Um. You know, he can pop it forward and get us some breaks. He wins draws to himself. But what I like the most and what I think a really good face-off guy has to do is if you're not quicker and you're not winning the draw, can you then turn it into a scrum or a ground ball? And he's been doing very, very good at not just letting them have anything free. He doesn't win the draw, then it turns into a battle with our wing guys at that point. So that's where I think we've been most successful. Do you feel like you're a well-conditioned and deep team? Because I'm looking at the schedule. You play tomorrow. You play Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's a that's mm-hmm. a few miles on those kids. Yeah, exactly. And that's after this past week we played Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So we hit a really tough stretch right now um, where, you know, we want to get those games, get that experience under our belt, and then it slows down a little bit as we get later into the season, have some time to start – some time to start correcting things as far as depth goes we were going into the season thinking we had a lot of depth in the midfield and our goal was to be heavy transition up and down and we had the middies to do it we unfortunately as the season um started had two of our really strong transition middies guys we were really excited about one had blown out his knee in football and he didn't end up getting cleared and another had a back injury and he didn't get cleared so we lost those two guys um and then another two who were nursing some injuries and decided to to heal up for football so we were down some guys we were really thinking we would have this year and that forced us to change our the style that we wanted to play and and how we were going to approach the season so as far as depth goes, we have to kind of manufacture it through really smart subbing, putting guys in a situation where we want them to to be during those times and then trying to get them off the field when we can to rest them up. So 
we're definitely not as deep as we thought we were going to be this year. Max, do you have a minute to talk a little bit off a of high school subject? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Youth lacrosse and your philosophy. Obviously, you're in, you're involved in a lot of different areas, but you know, obviously, uh, as a sponsor with First Coast Crush Lacrosse, how would you rate uh, the overall landscape of youth lacrosse in our area right now? Yeah, you know, I, I heard you mention it earlier that it's an exciting time in North Florida, and I think we're on the edge of being able to up our game, if you will, as far as youth lacrosse goes. Are the numbers good in, for for in your area? They're decent. They're not they're not as good as they used to be. We actually saw a bit of a decline. And I think part of that is, you know, it's run at the rec level here through parent volunteers essentially are the board of directors. And I give them tons and tons of credit for doing that. You know, it's they're very well meaning. They're very committed. They want to see, you know, their kids have a great program to participate in. The one issue we've run into kind of in our specific area, and I know that this has been the case in a few other areas as well, is that, you know, as that board of directors turns over, you have a new group of parents and they all need to learn about lacrosse and youth lacrosse and, you know, what's the best way to run a program. So you you generally start to get things running really well and you have a whole group of new people now who need to relearn it and you have to start over again um jason alford over at creekside and myself have become very involved with creek youth lacrosse we're actually now on the board of directors and that was one of our things we or or change we made i guess to keep some consistency on the board so at least there's some people and that's not a board position for me and him we created it so that you know, the local high schools that those programs tend to feed into, we want the head coach on each of those programs, you know, involved in the board. So, you know, if he moves on or if I were to ever move on, whoever came into that spot after us would have a board seat with Creek. And so consistency is huge. We're getting creative. Over at Creek, like I said, numbers are down. But the exciting thing, we've um, really embraced the model of free clinics this past year. And half of our registrations at Creeks were brand new lacrosse players, kids who've never played before, who heard about and tried lacrosse through some of our free clinics. And we're really going to expand that model. We're not quite ready to release the details yet, but as we roll out um, into our club season with First Coast Crush, we're going to continue to have our sort of regional travel teams and our competitive teams. But the nice thing we do there is we have kind of a team and a level for anyone, regardless of skill level, age, you know, all of that, because we do combine a couple teams and it allows us to put kids with like skill and like age um, players. Yep. But this year to really encourage more playing and get those numbers up, we're actually planning to offer free um, registration to any eight U and any 10 U player. So if you're an eight U or a 10 U, and you want to play lacrosse, you can come play for free with First Coast Crush for those seasons. We don't, That's like fantastic. I said, have all the details of that ready to release. But when you but, do, will you make sure we get back together and uh, share them on the air? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're pretty excited about it. Well, uh, Matt, again, because we want kids playing. So. Max, way back when we started the Ponte Vedra Youth Lacrosse Club, um, I lose track of 
the the years, but my son Joey, who's almost thirty now, was in fourth grade. So that'll tell you how long ago it was. <laughs> but one of the one of the, the there were challenges. One of the challenges we had was the the expense. How much does a parent want to shell out for equipment for a sport they don't know if the kid's going to like or not? And one of the reasons I think that we were successful back then, we had some good partners and we had an equipment rental program. It was mm-hmm. chaos. I. I it was in my most of it was in my garage trying to size kids up and get it. But uh, once we got that worked out, um, you know, people could give it a try, and if they didn't like it, they would turn their equipment in. If they liked it, they might buy it, and then we would refresh it, and that that was mm-hmm. huge. But the other part of it was a lot of the the parents in Florida at the time. I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but they didn't know anything about lacrosse. But we had mm-hmm. I was there, college player Dan McAuliffe was there, college player Jim Applegate was a college player. So we kind of had the lacrosse stuff covered. We managed to do the administrative stuff. But once once a lot of the other parents got involved and they wanted to change it, they wanted it to be more competitive. They wanted you know, travel teams and A and B teams. And you know, my philosophy had always been uh, keep all the kids together at the young ages all the way up to maybe sixth grade, maybe even seventh grade. There might be a time to have a travel team, but I always felt like there had to be a time where everyone was together. That way, kids, new kids would come out because they got to play with their friends. If their friend had started playing two years before, there's a chance they wouldn't be on the same team if you start splitting them up by skill level. And that's hard for people to comprehend. But there's, you know, these are kids. They they want to be with their buddies. And I don't mm-hmm. want a sixth or seventh grader not to play, not to start at that age because he feels like it's too late. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that because that's such an important point too. That so many times people want to just rush into let's go play games, let's travel around, let's make an A team, a B team, a C team. And what gets lost in a lot of this is are we developing good fundamentals? Are we doing it in a way that's not discouraging kids? Because you throw them on a game field too soon and they have no idea what's going on, they're lost. It's dangerous too. It's da- it can be dangerous. So how are we introducing these kids to the game? How are we keeping them engaged? What kind of things are we teaching them? Those are all, all very important things. And that's kind of part of what our, our free clinics that we've been doing. With our 8U, for instance, they use just sticks and tennis balls for most of it. You know, we don't even go out there and do full pad, let's go play. It's, you need to learn how to catch. We'll play some games within that that are non-contact, but um those are all things we look for and i think even look at the rec league i'm i've turned into a big advocate of this new sixes style that they're playing i think that i don't think you know under 14 you and you know certainly maybe maybe 12 you can get into the full field a little bit but shrink the field down Get kids on the field running up and down, getting more touches, having to play every aspect of the game. And, and you don't Max, need to learn how to play X as a you know ten year old. And the other thing was, I remember losing this battle way back when. Um, those kids don't need big long sticks; they don't need long no. poles, and they, they can no. always learn to pass and catch with a long stick later if their footwork is good, and they can catch with a small stick. You can then catch with a large stick. So we are on the same page there. We're, we're running short of time, but I did mm-hmm. want to ask you one thing. How how much lacrosse do you follow at the college level? Obviously, your uncle and your dad are still involved, and, and you're a former college player. Do you get a chance to even follow outside of uh, the high school and youth? 
Yeah, you know, I don't get as much of a chance as I'd like. Of course, I'm following my uncle at Loyola and, and following my dad and, and seeing what Colby College is doing, and I always check in on the Penn State scores. Um, that must not be fun. That's not fun too. very often, is it, Max? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah Colby's kidding. opening with Tufts today. So I meant, I meant the Penn State there, thing. But then, the Penn State. Yeah, but yeah. then, yeah. So, um, but all around, it's, you know, it, it depends on who they have each week. But I, I try to check in on the scores fairly frequently and just get an idea who's doing what. And, you know, if I'm lucky, I can catch a game on TV every now and then, but I don't see nearly as many as I'd like to. Well, Max, I, I try to keep up. No, that's, that's great. It's always great talking to you. I'm hoping to uh, call that uh, game with Episcopal next week. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to let you go right now. We're running out of time, but uh, let's catch up again soon when you when you get all the details ready for uh, release. Uh, get get back in touch with me, please. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll definitely let you know. Thanks so much, Max. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take that, care, Ray. That was Coach Max Van Arsdale of Bartram Trail. Uh, I didn't know if we'd have enough uh, content to fill the show today, but I think we did a, did a decent job. Did a great job, Ray. Yesterday, North Carolina and Denver. Denver won nine to eight. Had to mention that. I'm definitely going to go back and watch that game. Um, so many good games. We talked about the the Maryland, uh, you know, the, the Maryland game yesterday. Uh, Jacksonville High Point, Hopkins, St. Joe's. Go to Inside Lacrosse. Look for all the scores. Uh, Georgetown over Princeton yesterday. Wow, that was a lot for an hour. So excited to have Coach John Galloway on, taking his time uh, while they're on the bus, heading back through South Carolina. Coach Max Van Arsdale does so much for the game. Uh, a lot of good high school games coming up this week. We'll be on the air on Tuesday at 7 p.m., Creekside at Ponte Vedra. Can you hear the hoodoo gurus in the background? There you go. We'll talk more. We're going to be giving away some tickets in the coming weeks as well. It's down at the rail yards over by the stadium. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to thank M Shack, First Coast Crush Lacrosse, Cantina Louie, Derek Prince. We'll put out that poll to see if Applegate and Milo get invited back and whether we uh, were able to squeak together an A-plus show today. Thank you for following and listening. Follow me on Twitter at Lax904. I am Ray Carnicelli. Have a great day. Yeah.